Hello, and welcome to Stacia Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined by my very merry fellow in the Cypriot nation, Stu Lennon. Happy Christmas, Stu. Merry Christmas. How are you, Justin? How are things in sunny Canada? You're wearing shorts, drinking pina coladas. Oh, I wish, my friend. I wish. Uh, pina colada sounds good, though. I could go for one of those right about now. Uh, the little hair of the dog that bit you. We had uh, some friends over last night for a little wine and cheese and, well, a little more wine. You know how that goes. Ah. Socializing in the 2022. It's it's weird, though. We are, we're actually having people over. Small, small, you know, small couples of people, but it feels so weird after two years of not letting anybody, you know, barricading them beyond the door. How's your Christmas prep going? Uh, well, it's all right. It's a bit up in the air. Um, uh, listeners won't know, but my mum has had a cancer diagnosis. Now, as diagnoses of cancer go, it's a pretty good one insofar as it's, uh, they call it very early. It's quite small, limited in scope. So they're, they're going to use, now brace yourself, they're going to use a robot to operate on her and um, cut out a bit of her lung. Ew. Um, and hopefully... Uh, that will be the end of the whole thing. It will it'll just be sort of in, out, a couple of days in hospital, and away we go. But we're not sure when that's going to happen. And uh, when it does happen, the prodigal son will be uh, expected to jump on a plane, get out there, and uh, hold the fort, as they say. So, um, yeah, I I really don't know whether that's going to be pre-Christmas, post-Christmas, in Christmas, mm. up Christmas, down Christmas. I have no idea. So uh, we're just going to keep on making plans here and uh, play it by ear, I suppose, is the way you would say it. I'm just thinking of, hey, dingus, operate on the cancer. Well, I mean, the, what could possibly go wrong with that, Stu? What could go wrong? Indeed. Um, you know, it's uh, when when the, the conversations have been going on, and there's a lot of them go on, was, first of all, it was about VAS, uh, or was it? Yeah, so VAS, which is video-assisted surgery. Um, and I kind of got the idea there that, you know, there's sort of keyhole and little cameras and you think, you know, for me already, I think, wow, isn't technology incredible? <laughs> and then it got upgraded to RAS, robot-assisted surgery. So, I mean, maybe the robot just makes coffee. Hmm. I, I, I don't know, but I'm guessing it probably doesn't. We'll have to talk about this later, but I did buy myself a uh, a T robot, uh, as mentioned by the the infamous um, Jason Snell, uh, to give my wife to give me for Christmas. A T robot. We'll talk about it after Christmas, but um, yeah, I I I just look at that and go robots. From what I've seen, not that smart. I'm not sure I want to do. Surgery. I mean, I, I got a 50-50 chance of turning my light on in the morning when I uh, put the catchphrase that I created into the dingus. You know, half the time it's going to come up and it's going to play some music. It's I, It launched, what was it the other day? Sitting on my, on, my fa on my couch, I yelled over to turn on the light and it started with the fart noise app. Cool. So if you've got a lady in the dingus going that was what i was trying to do in the morning with my cup of coffee i was not terribly impressed fantastic at a wine and cheese party i'd say <laughs> i didn't think about that last night 
Anyway, ah, crazy. What do you get for follow-ups, Stu? Um, if, by the way, I guess I should say if we go offline for a little while, that will be why. Uh, we are planning a short Christmas break. We're going to take a week off in between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, so you will miss an episode there. But if we miss any more, it is likely that Stu has been the good son and taking care of his mom. And we certainly hope that goes well and that the robots don't take over the world. <laughs> yeah, well, it quite. I'm, I'm sure it'll all be splendid. Um, well, follow-up, what am I... What have you, you remember I spoke to you about that app called Paper? Mm, uh, yes. I, I did look I did look at this, actually, because you put it in the show notes. Mm. Well, I mean, it, it is... Um, my sort of original... I, I wrote a blog post on it, and I've put the... Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, it's nice. It, I mean, it's very, very nice. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's really lovely. Uh, but there was a, um, subscription for the Mac app. And then if you wanted it on your iPad or e even on your iPhone, I guess, uh, there was another subscription. They were separate. Oof. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, phew, that's, that's aggressive pricing. Um, and uh, they're quite chunky subscriptions. I don't know what they are in dollars because obviously it shows me in sterling because that's where my um, Apple ID is. But it's £49, give or take, a year for each. So that's £100 or give or take $120 a year. Oof. Um, you could buy sort of lifetime access, uh, and that was, I think, £90 um so you know significant chunk of change you not 2.99 one-off purchase let's let's just put it that way so um i was like mm, not sure i would go for this and the developer read the post and sort of <laughs> appeared in my uh, twitter dms so oh hi um and and said well look you know maybe i can help you out with the with um, some access so you could have another look type thing. Oh, very nice. Uh, so, so I started having another look and I've, I'm doing that at the moment. I've, uh, he's, he's given me, uh, access to all the pro features in the iOS side, uh, which I'm like, oh, thanks. I don't really use iOS anyway. Um, but I'm subscribing on a sort of monthly basis to the Mac one just to see what I think, because I want to test all those pro features out and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I will say it, it is so pretty. I mean, it really is as stripped down as stripped down can be. So when, when I open the app, I get a white page. That's it. Oh, hold on. Hold, whoa, 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 whoa. You get a white page. Does that mean you have light mode on Stu on your Mac? Always, always don't do that dark mode nonsense oh. for heaven's sake. Oh, Stu. Okay, I, I think this podcast is officially over. <laughs> I did not, I, I mean, I can put up with the fact you're left-handed. I, I can put up with the fact that you stopped drinking. But this light mode stuff, Stu, oh. All right, just 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 for you, I'm going to change it now. I'm going to go into dark mode. Here we go. Let's have a look at dark mode. What happens? Uh, don't, do it, don't do it when, first off, Stu, you just put a new upgrade of your software on the computer. <laughs> Do not change anything while we're recording. Too late. Oh, God <laughs> almighty. Um, but uh, the, the thing I would say, 
uh, this is why I don't like dark mode. Okay, so I've I've put on dark mode, and what's changed on Google Docs? Not a thing. Yes, my <laughs> my my menu bar has gone black, um, but the the document itself is still bright white, and in fact now it's offensively bright white because it's on a dark background. <laughs> That's why I don't like dark mode. Um, but uh, Google yeah. is offensive on its own, so I don't think we have to go <laughs> much further true. than that. That's true. It's amazing, isn't it? We both hate Google. We both hate Microsoft. And yet everywhere we turn, it pops up and interferes with our lives. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's very, very pretty. I'm, I'm going through all of the, the features and, and experimenting with it and uh, see where I get to and see, see whether I think it's worth paying that premium, you know. Uh, so that's me. That's me following up. What about you? Have you got any follow-up? No, I don't actually. I was uh, going to talk about the Christmas recording schedule, and we've already covered that because, hey, I'm not organized. <laughs> That's cool. That's all right. What about your tool of the week? Tell me about that. Oh, boy, we're on a theme here. So last week, I think I mentioned that I had a seminar coming up on some Excel functions. Uh-huh. I I had several hours uh, watching a gentleman go through some of the latest and greatest Excel tips and techniques. Wow, um, this was a roll. Zoom call, which was ex- as exciting as one might expect. But, you know, it, it was practical. There were some sure. things that I did learn. But more importantly, uh, I watched a Zoom of a Windows desktop. Mm. Uh, and, and Stu and I have been, uh, mostly off the air, maybe a little bit on the air. Uh, I hate to say falling out of love with Apple, but some of the stuff that Apple has done lately, particularly around things like airplay and Mm. interoperability and, and just some of the decisions that they've made, um, just take what worked so seamlessly, which was the joy of Apple and have made it. Well, I think less seamless is one word, but outright bloody difficult might be my, more appropriate. It's that new OS release time, isn't it? So my my HomePods just just earlier today were playing the same music with a three second delay. You know, this is a HomePod pair. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, not all this stuff again. <laughs> yeah, and and we go through this every year, and we we for for a short period out of the year. We just hate it. Um, but then I got to watch somebody in Windows working Excel. And the way that Windows users, I haven't seen Windows in many years, um, they have to navigate and the tab functionality and just the way everything worked on there, just, it, it gave me eebie-jeebies. <laughs> it was... You know, I, I was I was so wanting to do this. And of course, you know, I, I, I'm so spoiled. I've got my nice Mac. I'm watching this on a window. I've got my own Excel spreadsheets, several of them set up on on different uh, parts of the screen so I can I can follow and zoom. And, you know, uh, one of my small little windows that I've got in the corner is about the same size as his entire screen. <laughs> Because, well, we know that uh, uh, screens in in Windows tend to be a, a lot smaller resolution. And I just looked at it and everything that I grew to dislike about Microsoft, 
has not changed. Now this looked like it was, I think it was windows 10, uh, cause the little window blocks were arranged on the right and not in the center, but it, it just reminded me, um, the clicks, the, the difficulty, the, the slow part that I've got applications and workflows and things like this that speed up what I do. And it was just like, oh my God, I'm in love with Apple again, despite all the things that I, I hate about the upgrade season. Um, so, so two things, thank you, Microsoft for making me realize that I really am privileged and lucky to take my own computer to work and work on Apple products because it just works so well the way that I work. Other people may not work so well, but for me, it was perfect. Uh, the other thing I hated was the fact that I've found out that uh, Microsoft is crippling Excel for Mac features. Sure. Uh, for, you know, it, it's refusing to put new stuff that they put into Excel for Windows six, seven, eight years ago. That's not available on Mac. Even though I pay full price for a 365 subscription. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a big F you to Microsoft for crippling Excel, you know, just it's, it's like a monopoly. Uh, you know, I, I, I almost think we should call them a, monop a monopoly. They make it for their own operating system and make sure that you have to buy that. If you want all this, anyway, I was grumpy. Uh, I actually spent some time in the app store looking for, uh, things that I could use instead of Excel. Mm-hmm. But I just know that that's going to be a, you know, I've, I've got numbers, I've got yeah. Google Docs. Uh, I just know that they are slower to work with. And, you know, at the end of the day, I do numbers and I kind of have to live with this until somebody can recommend. If you have a recommendation, I was really tempted. There's a couple of other office suites out there I was tempted to go for, but uh, I kind of need something as reliable that I have that sort of muscle memory to mm -hmm. excel unfortunately i've been using it for so long yeah there's your problem is that muscle memory i mean with numbers you can pretty much do everything um that you would want to do with excel and then you can export um your your work as an excel sheet but you're you, you're creating that sort of additional um workflow of you know importing exporting all the time which you know is guaranteed to go wrong and uh, as you say, it's just that that muscle memory of, sure, I can do this on numbers. It'll be self-ever. Oh, hang on. Where is it? Oh, uh, and it just, you know, it's those sort of micro cuts that just <laughs> eventually you go, or for me anyway, eventually I go, all right, back to Excel. Very much the way I am on this. I, keep, I, I try numbers once in a while, uh, mostly because I try not to give Microsoft too much access. So if I open a CSV and I forget to do an open in, it'll automatically open in numbers. And so yeah. quite often I'll just go and play with it. And some of the formatting, it's, you know, you got to open a sidebar and you got to go to this tab. And it's just like, oh, no, 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 no. That's so, uh, so slow. I just want to do this. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I'm, I, I kind of have a love, I'm in love with my Apple, particularly my Mac. Okay. I'm in love with my Mac again, because the alternative is Windows. Yeah. I mean, I, this is, uh, the listener won't believe this, but we independently have written very similar sort of tools of the week here. Um, both of them Microsoft, both of them negative. 
Uh, so <laughs> we're, we're, we're endearing ourselves uh, in the joy of Christmas <laughs> to all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, indeed. If, if somebody senior in Microsoft is listening, go away. Um, yes. Uh, one of my clients pays me a retainer. So I'm, a, uh, I'm a sort of, I'm an outpost of, of the company. Uh, but most of the company is remote anyway, so they've got a reasonably good remote setup. Uh, they use uh, Microsoft, yay! Um, and Microsoft's sort of remote access thing is, um, or sort of uh, hybrid platform, is called Azure, which is that's a brilliant marketing name. Microsoft Azure, um, and the company that I'm working with outsources the sort of management of that to a, to an IT consultancy company as well as having its own in-house it consultants so this is this is just great there's also um a ceo who's probably a little old well no he's definitely older than you and i ah he's ancient then yeah and he's um even worse justin he's he's the ghost of christmas future for you all right he's a he's a certified accountant um he, he thinks in in numbers he's an excel boy and somewhere, this is going to happen to you and I, apparently. I don't know when. Um, somewhere, your desire to move with the times, IT-wise, stops. <laughs> and so, uh, as far as he's concerned, the, the safest way to manage passwords is to make everybody change them every six weeks. <laughs> now, despite the fact that, I mean, some, some brave IT people have, have tried and been fired. Um, and I've tried and, well, just won't accept being fired um, to explain that that's just not how it works. You know, for several very straightforward logical reasons, making people change passwords every six weeks just means that they write them down everywhere, which is exactly what you don't want to happen. But anyway, that is the gospel. And not only that, different applications have to be behind their own walls. Oh, God. So rather than having your sort of one uh, login that gets you into everything, um, the average person has to get into the server, you know, the, the, the platform, and then the application. So on average, you know, two. Um, the password has to be 12 plus characters. It has to include numerals, capitals, and symbols. The login windows do not permit paste from a password manager. <laughs> oh, how, how wrong could this go? <laughs> exactly. So um, if I were to log on right now, I'm not going to do it because as you rightly point out, the whole thing will blow out. But um, I have to open uh, Microsoft Remote Desktop, which is an app uh, on the Mac. It's got the word Microsoft in it. You know it's crippleware. And then I log in with a password, right? So username, password. Uh, it then asks me for an, uh, a code from the authenticator, which is on my phone. Um, once I'm through that, it will then ask me to log on to the server with the password. Same password. So username, password, put it in again. Then enter the code with the password. Okay? So another authenticator. Once I'm on, then I will have in front of me one of those beautiful little Windows desktops. It's, it's a wonderful thing to look at. It makes me feel slightly nauseous. 
And I were then, I'm trying to get into the CRM. That's what I'm going in there for because I want to see what's happening with my clients, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there I have to use a separate username and a separate password. Now, me being me, I set the password to be the same as the other password because there's a limit to how much of this stuff I can do. But the, <laughs> so I then have to log on with the same password and a different username. Boom. I'm now in. Wow. Then, then I will look and go, oh, right. It's five weeks. I better do a change. So this is how the password change procedure works, right? I change the password on remote desktop. Then I change the password on the CRM. Then I change the password on the local Outlook on my Mac. Then I change the password on the Teams on my Mac. Then I change the password on the internet accounts on my Mac because my calendars all go together. Then I change my local Outlook on the MacBook. Then I change on Teams on the MacBook. Then I change the internet accounts on the MacBook. Then I change the Outlook on the iPad, change the local Teams on the iPad, change the internet accounts on the iPad, change the local Outlook on the phone, change the local Teams on the phone, change the internet accounts on the phone. Then I save my password in a password manager, which I can't copy and paste from, but it's nice to know it's there, and write it on an index card. And tuck it under the keyboard. Uh, well, I have a little stand where I put it very specifically. I'm big. I write with Sharpie password for this company's name, um, just because I think they deserve it. And and this, <laughs> the extra bit of fun with this is that my uh, keyboard that I use um, here at the desk on my on, on studio or the beast as I call it mm -hmm. um, is a British English keyboard. Mm. The remote the one with the pound sign that's it the remote one so once i get in through my mac onto the windows server is international so if you put for example a pound sign into your password or uh, a double quote or an at symbol oh boy are you in for some fun because then you've got to remember when you're logging in that where it says at, you should actually want quote, or where it says quote, you actually want at. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, uh... Can I just send you an American keyboard, please, Stu? <laughs> uh, no. Um, it's just... I, 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 I've spoken to the external consultant who... He's the internal external consultant who's been working with this company for years and years and years. And I've known him for years. I used to use him for IT support in my company. And I said to him, I said, Peter, what the f is this? <laughs> uh, look, I've tried to explain it to him a hundred times. If you want to try, go for it. <laughs> but they won't change it. And so the entire company, I don't know, there must be 90 people logging in. And at any given time, two or three of those, those 90 people are offline because they're arm wrestling their passwords. Oh, it's, and you know, it happens. It always happens on that day when you've got 16 things to do and then you come to your computer and find, oh, you've got another seven things to do. The phone starts ringing and then, oh, you can't log in. You need to change your password. Oh, anyway. oh God, that is... I, I, corporate, it just so reminds me of the way corporate used to be. I just, oh, it's, well, I know, I know that one day <laughs> this is going to happen. I'm sure it is. Somebody's going to say, well, huh, you very rarely log on to the service, Stuart. 
Why is that? <laughs> I just, I just think that poor person is going to have no idea how bad their day is going to get, how quickly. Refer to episode eighty-eight. Yeah, I've got. I have. I have work. I have thoughts. Person, sit and listen. Anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, enough of that. <clears throat> yeah. Tell me about something nice, like a pen. Tell me about your pen. Well, I, I haven't actually done anything new with pens. I I inked up last week my panide with that fancy chameleon ink from Diming. Uh-huh. And, well, I inked it, killed it, and cleaned it within a week. Uh, right. But I haven't actually replaced it yet. I was going to, and then it's like, okay, I looked at what's on my desk. I've still got... Uh, Lamy 2000, the Pelican M200, the Schaefer Ferrari, and the Osprey, the Ebonite that I had a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, one of those problems, you don't think about it when you're inking up a pen, but some of those are piston fillers. Mm-hmm. And piston fillers mean that there's an entire gallon. I don't know how it does it. It's like the TARDIS inside. You suck up a little bit of ink, and there's enough ink to, you know contaminate the ocean i think that goes inside one of those uh that little pelican i've had for a number of weeks yeah it's a small pen mm-hmm. and I, I swear that there is something wrong in the universe because it holds more ink on the inside than it would be capable of if you look at the entire outside of it completely yeah pelicans like that they last forever so i haven't inked up anything i pulled out a lammy studio the other day I was going to ink that, and it's like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to use some of these up. The Schaefer Ferrari has, you know, maybe a quarter quarter inch of ink left in it, so that'll be done within a week. But I just wanted to knock some, something off and then, you know, maybe clean everything out, start the new year after Christmas with, uh, with a whole set of new inks and new pens. Mm. We'll see what I end up there with. How about you, Stu? What are you, what are you writing in? Oh, uh, what am I doing? Well, I'm I'm sort of commuting, uh, by which I mean I'm taking some stuff up uh, upstairs uh, when I finish, partly because it's getting a little bit cooler here now, and uh, my office has many things, but heated is not one of them. Um, and given that uh, Mrs. L goes to school, um, there's no reason I can't work upstairs. So if I'm feeling a, feeling a little bit chilly, then I sort of set up on either the dining room table or the kitchen table. Um, and so I've got my Lockby Quattro. Lockby is a sort of great EDC brand from, from the United States of America. Um, and I have the, the Quattro, which holds, surprise, surprise, four pens. Um, and in there at the moment, I've been carrying much the same as I had before. So the, the Mont Blanc Meister Charles Dickens with, with the double B. Um, that's, that's a big, big nib, which in my Bomo art is a disaster. The, um, it feathers, the show through is horrible. Uh, it just, the Bomo art just puts its hands up and says, no, I can't cope with this. Uh, so as a sort of antidote to that, I'd noticed that the Bomo art loves Pelican. Pelican and the Bomo art get on perfectly, even though my Pelican nibs are big as well. Um, and the inks are, are pretty fierce. I'm using a Pelican M805. That means it's got the sort of chrome fittings rather than the gold ones. Um, Blue Dunes, which is a, a lovely sort of wavy um, blue barrel and, and cap uh, with diamond and blue black. Beautiful, absolutely gorgeous pen. Works beautifully in that journal. So it's kind of reserved for that journal. Um, 
And then I've got my Meisterstück, uh, which has got Schubert in it from Diamond Music, uh, which is sort of shading green. Uh, my Sailor 1911, which is a bright yellow pen with Handel, which is a very soft purple ink from the Diamond Music set. Uh, and then for my sort of pocket carry, I've got my little raw aluminium or aluminium um, Coeco Sport um, with with a red cartridge in it. So great. Have you, have you tried running it over yet? No, not as yet. No, it's still, but because it's raw aluminium, it does get marked by everything. So, mm. um, you know, tiny little, you, you put it in your pocket with keys, you're going to have loads of scratches on it and that's fine. It just adds to the patina. Lovely. I was actually just thinking about the Lockby stuff because, uh, that was one thing I had to treat myself to for some, um, Black Friday shopping with some Lockby. Mm. Uh, and this is sort of a little aspirational and we'll probably kind of go into our conversation later uh, about sabbaticals. Uh, but I did pick up myself the Lockbee pocket journal mm -hmm. so that I have something nice I could throw anywhere. These these things, the wax canvas is gorgeous on these. These, these kind of say outdoorsy people, even if you never set foot outside, they're, they're just really nice. Uh, and then I picked up the Venture pouch as well Stu. i don't know if you've seen that one mm. it's yeah yeah we know we carry it at uh nearest oh, it's, it's a lovely piece of kit uh for pens and just a little bit of everything so if you're if you're getting outside and you're taking a little bit of stuff with you uh that you don't want to lose let's say airpods and charges and all that stuff it's it's like the perfect little thing for that so yep i i do love the the lock b as well very good Alrighty, so I think we've arrived at that time of the day where it's it's topic time. Yes, uh, and the topic is not rant about uh, Microsoft, surprisingly enough. We wanted to talk about, well, sabbaticals. In particularly, Stu has a friend who's thinking about a six-month sabbatical. So we're going to talk a little bit about sabbaticals, but Stu, do you want to talk a, a little bit about the six-month sabbatical and how we got to the topic? Yeah, no, it was a conversation I was having with a friend. Um, I'd, uh, regular listeners will remember, I'd been back in Bristol for a little bit of work, uh, a little bit of pleasure, and I'd been marvelling at sort of how vibrant Bristol was. Bristol is a city in the um, southwest of the UK. Um, it's the, the city of my birth. Uh, it's where I went to school. And it's a university town, so it's got uh, two universities. Um, both of which are growing and popular. Um, and there's been a whole load of investment down in the centre. It's just a great place to be. There was uh, a lot of people hanging out, drinking beer, having fun. There's lots of theatres and cinema. and It was just great. It was um, kind of the opposite of a Mediterranean island populated by you know very hardworking local people and ancient immigrant expats wandering around going, oh, should we play golf? What? Like me. Um, and my friend was, uh, he, he lives on a golf resort. So uh, he lives in sort of the God's waiting room bit of God's waiting room, if you like. Um, every, if you're 60 up there, you're, you're a youngster. Um, because the, the property up there is expensive. Um, it's a sort of bubble. You know, you're, uh, it, it's it's Mar a Lago, but in Cyprus. Mm. Um, and he was sort of just, I, th I think he felt he was uh, sort of crusting up, shriveling 
because you know his life was entirely without culture. Sure, we'd play golf, we'd laugh, we'd eat, um, uh, drink wine, repeat. I mean, that that was kind of kind of where life was. And he he said to me, he said, I think I might go and live in Bristol for six months. You know, kind of Airbnb, um, or indeed any other rental agency, I suppose. Uh, he could work from his laptop just like I can. Um, and, you know, go to the theatre and just sort of, you know, live the nice life there for a while and then come back here. Um, and I went, well, if you're going to do that, for some reason we got onto bees. I don't know why we got onto bees, but um, I, I said, well, you know, why, why wouldn't you go do that in Berlin or Budapest or Bayonne, which is another one of my favourite cities beginning with B, or Bilbao, which is a fantastic place. Uh, I just, just sort of got kicking, kicking things around, which of course made me think, well, it's all very well telling other people to do that, but you know, should I do that? Mm. Um, so uh, that inevitably led to the, to the, I suppose, the back to basics question: What is a sabbatical, Justin? Oh. Well, I guess it depends on how you define it. But I always figure a sabbatical is a mythological break that creatives, educators, and rich people get from their day jobs. Uh, but realistically, I, I guess in this context, because you're taking your laptop and you can work from anywhere, it, it's it's a little different because you're you're not taking that break. Mm. Um, you know, the question really becomes what what is a sabbatical? Is it getting away from work? Is it getting away from life? Is it getting away from everything? And I, I guess that's a, a good conversation to have. Mm. What, what do you think it is, Stu? Uh, well, I mean, I suppose this is a consultant's answer. Um, it's whatever you want it to be. So if, if you were going to, uh, you know, as my friend was doing, um, sort of look at going and living in another city, but still participating in your work life and, and everything as, as normal, then I guess you are taking a sabbatical from your life here in Cyprus. Um, and having a life somewhere else, which is it's perfectly legitimate. I mean, who are we to say that's not right? Um, I think the the origins of sabbatical comes is from it's an academic term, I think, isn't it? Where yeah, after a certain amount of time, you know, teaching away, you you get some time off uh, to um, you know. I I think it's to go and sort of explore your subject matter more deeply, isn't it? Or in a sort of unassessed free way um to go write a book well yes indeed or, or write a book i would advise that good lord um more recently um you know in all the places that we sort of listen to and hang out in you know, a podcast world and tekarati uh it's it's about people sort of taking stock of where they are and you know to take a little sort of sabbatical week off to go and consider what to do for the year or a few days off. Um, um, and David Sparks took one recently, didn't he? Um, Mike Schmitz, these guys, you know, he he's regularly talking about sort of personal retreats, I think they call them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of where I think there's a difference to me because I look at a sabbatical as a break. I look at working from a different location as more of a – a digital nomad, I think, is a term that uh, all the young people and the cool people use, where they they sort of work from everywhere and just log into a computer and work on their their 
Mac laptop from anywhere because you can't do that with a PC for some reason. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to travel the world and write down your uh, your your password that you need for six different logins there, Stu. You need love index cards. Exactly. Uh, so I, I guess that's sort of the question really is, is it a sabbatical? Is it just a digital nomad? What's kind of the purpose of that? I, I, I'm quite excited by the idea of, of a sabbatical at the moment. It's something that is going to come into my year. You know, we're doing yearly planning. We're talking about that last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Sabbaticals are going to be part of that for me. Okay. Um, and a, a sabbatical for me is, you know, perhaps not as um, glorious as uh, people might think, you know, go away for a week and, and do nothing. You know, really, it's going to be a weekend away on my own, away from all of life as I normally use it to give me some thinking time. Okay. But the 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 idea of it is that I need to sort of get a break, you know, especially, you know, I think it's I think things like this are really important, Stu. We you're you're the same as I am, that you live and work in the same place. So, you know, I, I can almost go for I, I go for a walk every day to get out of the house, but the reality is that uh, I'm I'm only one step away from the golf course, and if I look at my neighbors, and most of them are in that uh, over sixty retired, well-to-do sort of group, uh, I could be your friend on the golf course here. Mm, sure. I mean, I think the the um, uh, with a bit of experience that I now have, we came to live here uh, four years ago. Um, I would probably say that. Um, early retirement, don't go somewhere where everybody's retired because you're in a weird sort of world as an early retiree where, um, you know, for example, I, I can't, I, I've got lots of really good friends who, um, people I really enjoy their company. Um, most of them are older than me, some of them significantly so, and that's no problem um, unless you want to have dinner at eight o'clock in the evening. <laughs> it's like, well, no, 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 I can't eat after six. And uh, no, the constitution won't handle it. Okay, then. <laughs> um, oh, that's me, Stu. <laughs> well, particularly in Cyprus, when, you know, um, the youngsters, uh, you know, you say to them, all right, well, should we meet up? Should we meet up for some drinks? You know, see see a bit of the town? Sure, yeah, I'll see you at 11. 11? What? What, 11 as in one hour before midnight? Yes. Oh, hmm. Ah. Uh, m m most of my neighbours would go. That's impossible. Like it's the middle of the night. Does eleven o'clock at night as well as during the day? <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, it's a bit weird. But yeah, I mean, you're talking really about that that personal retreat sort of um, concept, are you? Where you're retreating away from the things that that sort of I, I guess hassle you and crowd you and uh, and prevent you from having you know, quiet, deep time. So. Yeah, it's a, that's a retreat to me, but um, hmm. I don't care what you call it. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's, uh, it sounds a lot of fun. So have you got somewhere in mind to go? Or? I, well, I do. Uh, exploring the backwoods around my place. Uh, I'm going to get out into the backwoods uh, with, a, with a tent and a truck and just get some quiet time away from everything. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of camping up here, but a lot of it is you go to a a campsite 
And there, all the people you don't want to live next to are all camping with you. Mm -hmm. And it's loud and obnoxious okay. and you have to put up with people, but they do have running water. Um, here, I'm I'm going out to, you know, we, we have a lot of mountains out here. We've got a lot of woods. The backwoods of Canada is probably 10 times the size of this island, I would imagine, or 100 times the size of this island. Uh, that's pretty much it. So, yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm going. I found a couple of spots when I was out uh, cutting wood uh, this year with some some neighbors, introduced me to some of the backwoods. Not far away, you know, half an hour, an hour drive, something like that. You know, you kind of drive straight into the mountains. Uh, but just a place to take everything with you, just to sit and, and get away from it. I, I've tried doing this at home you know, a retreat, I don't know if you want to call it retreat, sabbatical, whatever you want to call it. But the idea that if I'm at home, the patterns you're into, the interruptions, you know, that everything that you do sort of has an impact on you. And it's like, you know what, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to work on my desk and then I'm going to do some deep thinking. And that's great until you get hungry and you go upstairs and you, you know, grab a snack and, uh, all of a sudden I'm engaged in a conversation. I'm playing with the dog. I'm, you know, mm. it is the same pattern. And I just don't think I've been able to break that. Um, I used to go to a coffee shop and it's funny. This is really coming from a place that, um, I, I'm not an outdoorsy type, but I really like the idea of it having spent some time this year out in it. Um, the, the, I used to go to a coffee shop and again, what you, what you, what I found I was doing was, well, my, my planning was in, you know, blocks of time, but, uh, you never really got deeper than that block of time would allow the idea for a sabbatical for me. And I'd love to go for a longer sabbatical. You know, I, I think your, your Camino walk is a perfect example of this where you just go somewhere that is outside of your normal patterns and you get time to do something different of which a chunk of that time, a significant chunk of that time is a place where you're alone with your own thoughts. Mm. And, and, you know, maybe that's a retreat, maybe that's a sabbatical, but it, the idea that you're breaking with the routines and the patterns of your daily life. And, and I'm not sure if that's what a six month sabbatical would look like, because I think at six months you're, un unless you're doing something purposefully different, you still have a lot of those patterns you'll just do in a different place, for example. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, and I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, even in my own mind, get that difference down. Hmm. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, what's what's the difference between those? What do you see yourself been interested in at this point? Do you do you see yourself looking at a retreat, a sabbatical, six months in Berlin? Where, where's where's Stu's thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I think I, I think you're right. They are very different things. So, um, in my mind, I can very quickly construct a life where. Um, I could go and spend six months in, for the sake of argument, Berlin or Bilbao, go and take a place. Um, some, some, some obvious things there. I, I'm pretty certain I'd have to take my wife. Um, I'm not convinced that she's going to go, oh, six months. All right, bye. Um, because I also have three dogs, um, getting an Airbnb is not quite as simple as one might imagine. You know, central, central Berlin, oh, and I've got three dogs. So the practicalities very quickly start sort of 
ramping up and making that difficult. But it, it could be done. I could create a life, I think, where um, I would continue to generate revenue through my my various and sundry um, sort of activities, but I would do that. Geography would be irrelevant. I would need connectivity of some shape or form, mm-hmm. but that can be can be solved in different ways. And I think that's one way of looking at, I suppose, what would you call it, the third age that you and I are entering, um, and say, well, that might be a good way to spend some of that time, um, doing some, you know, six months here, six months there. But clearly, the first obstacle there is partner, um, and whether they want to do that. Because <laughs> if they don't, ah, bit tricky. Um, the idea of a sabbatical, um, as you describe, where it's it's about that sort of you know taking some time off from the life that you lead, that is very much the Camino. And you know, in the perfect world, um, with everybody sort of just agreeing to what I want because that's what they think is the best way of the world being, would be great. And I would probably do the Via Francigena, which is essentially Canterbury in the east of um, England to Rome, which is quite a long way from the east of England, um, and walk that. So all the way down. Oh, you can't do that with Brexit now, Stu. (laughs) You'd need so many passports and permits. You'd pick up a few stamps, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that is a uh, give or take, that's a 90-day walk. So that sort of thing would be a kind of dream for me to to say, right, I'm going to go and do that. And I would almost certainly choose to do that alone. Um, And I know from these types of pilgrimages that you do sort of come across people who sort of come into your, your, your pilgrimage for a bit and then drift away. And uh, it's, it's a very special, specialized thing. And I've got some experience in a much less uh, sort of, invested way where Stu and I, um, my friend Stu and me, easy name to remember, um, and indeed Laurent, our, our, our little French buddy, you know, we walked as a three for a, for a year, then Stu and I have walked as a two for three years. Um, and that's a kind of best of both worlds where you've got that sort of uh, company, you're not isolated or on your own, um, but also we're good friends. So we're, we're pretty good at not saying anything to each other. My my wife marvels at the fact that Stu and I can spend ten hours in each company, each other's company, and say twelve words, um, which is I mean twelve words is about what my ma- wife manages in five seconds. So, um, <laughs> it's it's you know it's very comfortable, and and I think my Caminos as I do them, which is a week with a friend, um, is is in a way a sabbatical because you're mind i think is working on uh the deeper questions if if you can say that without sounding too poncy but it's working on those while your the front of brain is dealing with all the mechanics of okay this is how far we're going to walk we're going to walk in that direction oh it's raining i'm gonna put a coat on uh where am i going to go and stay you know all of that stuff just becomes automatic and and your mind uh your sort of thinking mind uh goes off on its own somewhere i think um, so that's the sort of the middle ground. And then there's the sort of, you know, the mini, the mini sabbatical, the mini retreat, um, as you're suggesting where, you know, because of the practicalities of life, it might only be a long weekend where, uh, you get off somewhere. I mean, I'm curious that going and staying in the backwoods, 
uh, I imagine I'm, I'm no outdoorsman as will become apparent, but, uh, I'm guessing that the logistics and management of existing outdoors and not becoming sort of bare food, uh, is, you know, there's a reasonable amount of effort that has to go into that. Yeah. That really comes down to prep, but, uh, yeah, it's something to, for me to figure out because I've never really been camping since I was a Boy Scout. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The idea of camping with other people does nothing for me. Uh, the idea of going off in my own into the backwoods, I found, scoped out a couple of places, uh, trying to avoid bin bear food. Mm. That sounds very important. Or cougars or rattlesnakes or any of the, the nasties that really don't want you to play well in, in their area. Uh, that's reality that you kind of have to live with up here, mm -hmm. but I, I'm okay with it. Um, the one thing about going completely into backwards nature, um, your toilet is, well, if you need to go to the bathroom, here's, here's your little, uh, folding, a little shovel. Yes. Little shovel. Yes. Uh, and that has my wife completely out. Nope. I'm not doing that. So this will be my excuse to go out on my own and do that. If we go to a regular place for um, exploring and camping, well, they have toilets and well, my wife wouldn't object to that if she's got running water. Mm. Uh, the idea of, of digging yourself a little trench, not something she's interested in. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited with it. I went out quite a bit this summer. And really, really enjoyed the backwoods. Now, I went out with some friends and they taught me a lot about being sort of off the grid, if you like, you know, self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, it was just amazing. And uh, certainly something, you know, the winter's closed in. I, I mean, it's too cold even at the moment to sit outside with a fire. Sure. Um, I was telling Stu, we've got some days coming up next week with, uh, sorry, Bob, I don't, didn't do the conversion, but we've got a high of minus 16 coming up in the middle of the day. That's bloody cold. I, and you know, the idea of me going out and trying to, um, do anything like that in this weather is I'm going to start once the weather gets nice, but the idea that, you know, once a quarter, just go out, get some time for myself. Um, just thinking, reading, um, surviving. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to it. I'll probably cut some, some, uh, as long as fire season's not around, get some, uh, firewood, have a, have a nice little fire. It's just, it's lovely out there. It's, it's something that is, I think very Canadian. You know, we, we are, I'm very lucky to be in a place that is so near to complete wild areas for this. Uh, and I think that's just, just fantastic. You know, I, I realize that is, that is something that everybody can do. Um, I've looked at, you know, can I do a and b Yeah, I can go and rent a cabin. Mm. But the idea of once I've got a cabin, well, then I've got, I've got a cell phone and I've got internet connection. And all of a sudden now, instead of just me with my Lockbee notebook, uh, good call back there, um, <laughs> and a pen, you know, writing down my thoughts as they come to me or just, you know, yeah, yeah. existing, cooking food, uh, you know, gathering firewood. This is where I was going. This is where I was going because to me, again, with no experience, I'm, if I'm out in the backwoods, then, okay, I need to find somewhere to, to pitch my tent. I believe that's the correct term. One pitches one's tent. By the way, Bob, one does. Uh, minus 16 is three degrees. Um, but you, you go out there and you find somewhere to, to pitch 
and you uh, you might sort of you know get it up and go, okay, well, uh, I kind of like to have a fire. There's no fire risk, so um, presumably you find stuff that burns, which I'm guessing is wood. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this at this point may involve an axe or something. Uh, I don't know. Um, wood. Mm-hmm. Axe, chainsaw, you know, it, that, the whole, the whole it, bit, depending on what it does. Chainsaw? I'm lazy. Well, it's hard to be back to nature if you're taking a chainsaw. Anyway, so you, you make your fire and then you've got to think about, as you say, the practicalities of life and, and you know, filling your tummy and emptying your tummy. And um, you've got to find some sort of water source, which, you know, presume is babbling brooks and streams and, oh, isn't this lovely? And, oh, look out for the snaky thing, you know, all that jazz. Um yeah, I'm thinking by the end of that, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm sort of going, right, hello, Lockby Notebook. I'm going to sleep now. Boom. <laughs> that would be that would be why I would be thinking, okay, the cabin, I'm going to go. I'm going to, you know, sort of Walden-esque. I'm going to have a whole load of groceries that I, I put in there and I go, okay, here is my food, which in my case is probably going to be tomato soup. Go figure. <laughs> um, and uh, that's going to be eating um i've got a bathroom over there uh yeah sure i've got my mobile phone uh there is signal here if i sort of stand out uh on the left hand side of the cabin with my hand in the air i could just about get a signal but what i'm going to do is turn my phone off put it in a drawer and say that's there if there's an emergency um and doesn't the cabin give you more chance to focus on being away I think part of it, and I, I'm going to, let's go back to your Camino, because I think it's very much the same. When you're walking, mm. you're doing a physical activity. Sure. And to me, the break of a sabbatical, which is why I call this a little different than a retreat, mm-hmm. which is why it kind of got it in my mind, is the fact that these activities are clearing my mind. They're physical activities. They're not mental activities, okay. particularly. Kind of like walking, sure. you know, you're, yeah. you're walking one foot over another, you're going up and down, you've got to watch your footing, you've got to, you know, sort of watch the weather, you've got all these things, but in the back of your mind, you get that break, which is the sabbatical. You're not, there's nothing you can do about the stress of work. You know, you're not thinking, oh, I got to go and log in and change my 54 mm. different passwords in different places. Sure. Yeah. You're just away from that. And while you're physically active, you relax. And that's what I found this year was getting out into the woods was a place for me to be physically active. I, I mean, I was certainly doing a lot more physical work and labor and enjoyment and hiking and all of those things. But it was it was different and my mental side was relaxed and that's what gave me the capacity for a little bit of deeper thought it's not going to be sitting down you know at, at a desk getting all my thoughts out and that's not what a sabbatical is for me the sabbatical is a mental break for getting away from it all which is kind of my difference between a retreat and a sabbatical a little semantic perhaps, but that was kind of the way I thought about it. Um, what, what about you? You know, when you're, when you're hiking or when you're walking the Camino, it's physical, but I'm assuming it's somewhat the same way. The physicality just allows that freedom in your mind. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, um, the Camino is hard work. Um, walking, uh, what do we do? I, I suppose Stu and I would, would generally aim to do uh, somewhere between 25 and 35 kilometers a day. Uh, what's that in miles? That's uh, 
I suppose that is somewhere between 16 and 25 miles, a bit less than that, it's 16 and 23 or something. Um, so, the, you know, that, that's a chunk of walking. Um, we would get up quite early. We will set out uh, with the sun, so you set out around dawn or just before. Um, and inevitably, you know, there are times where you're just walking um, because it's a, it's a well-marked and trodden path. You don't have to do too much thinking about navigating. I mean, you need to keep your wits about you to make sure you don't end up um, walking sort of off a cliff or anything. But um, if you're reasonably alert uh, and you're not walking through a horrible fog, then you will you will keep to the path. Um, and yeah, you, I guess you do sort of just disappear into yourself to a certain extent. Um, I mean, I I know for a fact that I would. I would find it difficult at the end of a day like that to do anything other than say, ah, my bed, <laughs> thank you. Um, and I suppose that's part of the experience, isn't it? That you become very, very grateful for the simplest of things, um, you know, a, a cold drink and, and uh, you know, a simple meal, and you, it's the best drink and food you've ever had because you're, you're exhausted, you're tired. Um, and I think that really helps, that fatigue. Um, that sort of physical uh, wind down that you you get is is important, and it's very much part of it. To the extent that it sort of makes me me thirst for the chance to do it for longer and to do it alone, which is not something I ever would have thought would, would appeal to me. But the idea now of um, you know setting out from Canterbury with um, a little pack that's basically got a change of clothes in it. <laughs> and a few bits and pieces. Uh, I I just oh, that would be incredible. Mm -hmm. And you know, I to have. I mean, I would take my phone because I you know I am married and I I, I would want to speak to my wife. Um, but it would be off most of the day, and then you know at the end of a long day when I'm sitting down with with that lovely food and a nice cold drink, I would phone home and you know. Hi, how are you? And then go off and and just just be alone and out in the world again. That would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think we're we're both in that point of just taking that mental break, getting some distance from your day to day. Mm -hmm. Quickly back onto sort of the idea of the six month sabbatical being, you know, digital nomad. Is, is that something that's appealing to you as well at the moment? Is that, uh, the logistics I think are a little bit harder, you know, going for a walk for a week, you could probably get away with that with non Mrs. L. Uh, but I think, you know, taking her with you for a six month sabbatical, is that something you're, you've got any thought about doing at this point, Stu? Um, I, you know, I think, um, we've, we sort of bought into the concept of it. We, we talked about it. We were planning on going to um to live in sicily for a while which is where my wife um originates um and we were going to uh take a place there uh the complications were initially around the dogs because um we have to fly them there there's no no ferry off cyprus mm. and once you start flying dogs a it gets quite expensive uh, and b you know, the admin sort of multiplies by a factor of 10. Um, and then you turn around and say, oh, and there's three 
or two of us there were at the time, then it all gets uh, very, very complex. But then um, a ferry started. So a ferry has restarted. It takes forever. I think it's about 16 hours to get to Greece, which um, you kind of think you can see Greece from the beach. I mean, you can't, but you don't think of it as being that far away. Um, But we could, in theory, you know, we could could buy some sort of RV and get on the ferry over into Greece. And then, well, you're on mainland Europe, so you know, the world, or at least Europe, is your oyster. Um, and we could drive off to Sicily or anywhere else and spend some time. Now, I find that idea very exciting and very interesting um, because I love traveling. Um, both Margaret and I are linguists, so we've got a lot of Europe's languages between us. And we'll both get by wherever we are with one of the languages we have. I'm, I'm certain of that. Um, and it would be it would be great fun. But then... You know, Margaret is probably more practical than me, and she starts thinking about uh, the downsides and the concerns and the worries, and she doesn't really like driving at night. She doesn't really like – she likes the idea of an RV, but I know for a fact if I put her in one for five minutes, she'd be like, what, you sleep in here? (laughs) Just the idea of rain falling on the roof and stuff. Mm. I'm not sure it would really be her thing. Um, And now – because she's uh, she's uh, working at the school, uh, she's really attached to that. She loves the kids. She loves the sense of satisfaction she gets from that. So that window has probably closed, I think, certainly for a while. Um, uh, I, if it was something I passionately wanted to do, then I dare say I might be able to make a case for it. And likewise, if she passionately wanted to go and live in Spain, she's she loves Spain. Um, mm. And so... Uh, interestingly, she likes the South and I like the North. <laughs> so we'd probably have to work, work something out there. But, um, yeah, I think for the moment it's probably off the, off the agenda, um, which pushes me more to thinking, okay, so what can I organize for myself? So, um, because of her back problems, she's never going to come, come hiking with me. So if I'm going to do Caminos of any type, it's either going to be on my own or with, with friends. Um, and you know, what can I do? Should I maybe just go and do another one of the the Spanish Caminos? So there are several, um, or do a version of the Franchi, Franchi, Franchigiana. I can't remember how to say that, but the big, big Roman one, um, do that as I've done the Spanish one where we sort of break it into little bite-sized pieces. Or, you know, one thing I have thought about is maybe I just the other day, actually, I was looking at uh, cabins here in Cyprus because we we have a backwoods. I mean, you're never more than sort of twenty minutes from <laughs> from civilization because it's quite a small island. But you know, if you you know sit down somewhere, you can you can probably go a couple of hours without somebody wandering past. <laughs> um, and you know, think you know maybe I should just go and take a cabin there. You know, take a take a laptop with you know airplane mode enabled and just do some writing and take my journals up there and you know. Would that be something I would do? And I'm hmm, probably not in the winter. And uh, I know, I know, Mrs. Lennon would be going and the dogs. Mm. Uh, if I said I was taking them, she'd probably probably wave me off quite happily. But. <laughs> well, with the uh, with Chicago at the moment, that's definitely not going to happen for a little while. <laughs> no, no, Chicago is not going to come close enough for me to do that. Um, have you read A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson? I have not. No. I just saw the link that you put in there. 
You will enjoy that. Um, um, if have, have you read any Bryson? No, I haven't. Notes from a small island. Oh, I, I, I um, well, I'd be interested to hear what you think. He's he's quite a funny fellow, um, and as well for the listener, the uh, it's called a walk in the woods, and he walks a part of the Appalachian Trail, which is that's proper back backwoodsy walking stuff. Um, uh, runs all the way through North America, pretty much. Um, some parts I think are very sort of trafficked and other parts are not. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, we've got similar sort of trails this side of, uh, the Rockies as well, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a very well, well-known trail out here that everybody mm. sees. And now, now I've, I've got that in my cart in Amazon. Thanks to yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, Bill Bryson's books are predominantly funny. That's, that's why you read them. And, um, uh, but you may hate it. I don't know, but there were certainly some, some proper belly laughs from me. Um, some snorts on all of them notes, notes from a small Island is about his time in the UK and sort of the absurdity of the United Kingdom. I mean, yeah, you may, you may be about to enter a rich seam of reading or you may just read it and go, oh, this, I hate this guy. <laughs> Well, we have similar taste in a lot of things. So if you enjoy it, I'll give it a shot. Uh, yeah. Well, and maybe I'll give you some ideas about back, backwoodsy type stuff. Who knows? All right, Stu, uh, any takeaways from this? Any thoughts? Are you, are you going to go back on the trail? Are you going to convince Mrs. L to sell up and buy an RV? Or <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, my takeaway uh, initially was that the sabbatical uh, is a mental exercise. And I, I, I think I agree with what you were saying that that physical element of that mental exercise is what makes it so mental. I try and unpack that if you can. Um, and whether it be a Camino or being out in the backwoods or some time in a cabin, or, you know, if you can't do those things, then, you know, just trying to create some proper time off, then I think it's a, it's a worthwhile thing. But I guess we should probably report back, shouldn't we? What about you? What would be your takeaway? I think my takeaway is, you know, semantics between a sabbatical, a retreat. The idea, I think, is rather than just giving yourself a fixed time to think about things, get out, do something different. The sabbatical to me is getting away from your daily routines. You know, whether they be the work routines that you need to get away from, whether those are your life routines, taking the dogs out, that kind of stuff. Get, if you can, get a break in a place or however you can create that to see what that looks like. Maybe it's uh, what you would call a retreat if you, particularly in North America, don't have all the vacation and you work a corporate jobby job like myself. Try to set something up in there. Um, you never know what you'll what you'll enjoy. As I say, for me, I'm not an outdoorsy type, and this is something that's really got me thinking. From all the outdoors time that I spent this year, it was it was amazingly liberating, and without thinking about anything, that mental exercise just sort of came on its own, which blew me away because I'd never thought about it before. But pretty cool stuff. Um, and for reporting back, Stu, I got to wait for it to warm up before I'm daring enough to go out in a sleeping bag. Yeah, indeed. Planning, planning. That's what we're going to do next, Justin. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the interweb? And more importantly, how's your new social media experiment going? <laughs> well, you can find me predominantly at stuartlennon.com or nerosnotes.co.uk. There's my websites. Uh, I'm still on Twitter at Stu Lennon. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's an evolving picture, I think we would say. You can also find me on Mastodon uh, um, at Stuart at tweetrex.co.uk. Try and say that after two bites of Guinness. What about you? Where can people find you, Justin? Uh, I'm still hiding. You know, taking a mental retreat and not doing much on the interwebs. Uh, you can still find me on Twitter, JJ Twyford. Um, very rarely on Instagram now. That that app is amazing for keeping my dis- distraction down grids on my Mac, which is the only place I use Instagram now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find more information about both of us at stationaryadjacent.com. And please feel free to email us, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts on anything we've talked about. If you've got any experience on retreats or sabbaticals, love to hear it. Please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic, because Stu and I kind of keep dancing around it, we're actually going to nail it a little harder. Social media. We're going to look at whether we think it's peaked or not, what the impact is with all the changes, and what do we think about the whole thing. It'll be an interesting discussion. Until then, goodbye, and stay productive. Yes, us.